Hi, this is Chris Cox. You know me as Hawkeye. I never miss from Earth's Mightiest Heroes. You are listening to Traversing the Stars podcast. Hello, Mr. Cox. Thank you so much for coming to Traversing the Stars podcast. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. It's an honor to speak with you, sir. I'm a big fan of yours. So thank you for ha- uh, coming on my show. Yeah. So we start with a question of inspiration. So what inspired your love of acting and who are your earliest influences? Um, well, it's a couple different influences, kind of from different time periods. Um, when I was very young, uh, my parents were older. So I was kind of exposed to kind of like a generation before me and all, uh, all the stuff they were exposed to because my parents just would play things and talk about things. So W.C. Fields. I, you know, um, uh, Laurel and Hardy, the three mm. stooges. And those are things that I could watch anyway, but this, the extra sort of, uh, support, I guess, or background of my parents being from that generation, um, really liked, and my dad loved that, you know, I could do impressions as a young kid. I was doing WC feels, you know, yeah, my little chickadee and all this kind of, thing. so that was that. But then once I became sort of more cognizant of my own, my actual age, uh eddie murphy was a huge influence Mm. i just lived and died every monday after a saturday night live aired i would come to school and me and um and then two other guys byron and and and, uh and and malcolm uh shout out wherever they are we would all do dueling impressions and talk Mm. about it you know when i was in elementary school and then finally uh, a huge huge influence was david letterman who Mm happens to be from my uh, place of birth, Indiana. Uh, and he went to college at the in the town I was born in called Muncie. So, yeah, I always loved him. So so you've had this amazing voice career. Where did these skills come from? How did you uh, develop them further over time? So, you know, again, referencing back to those early influences, from the time I was a kid, I, I just had this innate ability to do impressions. And I would um, imitate the neighbor who was from Mississippi. So he had a Southern accent, which I didn't even know what that meant. I just knew he had, he had something, what I call, he had handles, you know, when you're doing impressions, you look for what I call handles, things to grab onto vocally, you know, and he was, you know, he was like, well, I just, you know, hanging out here and we're going to do work on the yard tomorrow and whatever. And so when I was like four or five years old, I just kind of like a, you know, like a parrot, I guess, like it just kind of went one in here and, my one day I'm doing that voice and my parents are like, Oh my God, that's Mr. Moore. <laughs> <laughs> then they were like, we can't have him do that around Mr. Moore. <laughs> so, um, so that was really where I started it. And then as I got older and older, I would again, watch SNL. I would imitate their imitations. So if, you know, Martin short was doing a character like Jackie Rogers, Jr. You know, Daddy, daddy, sir, you know, all of these things that, you know, um, <laughs> you know, all of those things, um, I would just imitate those. And it just kind of, you know, as you get older and you're doing more and more of those, it, you kind of, you get better. It's just, you know, that's, that's my 10,000 hours. It's just doing. <laughs> so can you, can you kind of discuss a little bit more what you mean by handles? Yeah. So, okay. So I'll give you. I'll give you an example of a current impression from the last few years that I've done. Okay. So one of the impressions I do is um, it's Rudy Giuliani. And the thing about Rudy Giuliani is the handle is right here. Now, it's not that different from suffering succotash. It's one right here. And what it is, 
is, is you don't actually close your teeth. You leave your lips a little open, you push the air through, and you, of course, add a little bit of a New York accent, and that's the handle. That, that is how I knew as soon as I saw what. And, and sometimes you can visually watch someone. I'm, I really study their mouth and the way they move their mouths, and it really informs the sound. You know, like Matthew McConaughey keeps his mouth wide open. He's like by that. And he doesn't and he doesn't really have it. Uh, what I say with him is he actually has a, he has handles, but with his own way of talking, he's not hitting very much. It kind of flows out. It's not a lot. of It's not bumping around. If you know what I mean, it's a straight shot. You know, a lot of people are oh, Wilson's like chewing and all this stuff. Matthew McConaughey is just straight out into the universe. Just keeps it clean. And so that's his handles, just a clean delivery. And then uh, and actually, uh, uh, you know, I actually do uh, uh, later on, I started to. Uh, <laughs> understand how to do uh, David Letterman. And, uh, you know, folks, uh, here's the deal. Uh, the way you do Dave is you just, uh, you know, you kind of, uh, and you kind of keep it in the back of your throat and, and you just say, uh, <laughs> you put that laugh in and that's the handle on him. So there's just these different funny, uh, funny things you grab onto, little pieces. And, you know, that's enough. People, when they appreciate an impression, usually they're appreciating how you're catching something that they recognize and you're, you're exaggerating it, you know. So I could we, not imitate myself. I don't have any handles. I don't know. <laughs> there are people that could imitate me quite well, um, but I don't know who they are. Uh, but I don't consider myself vocally to have that many handles, which in a weird way helps me do other people because I kind of have a, you know, kind of an, uh, a blank canvas that I can project out on. So when you do all these impressions, how much of this is just like good old genetic? You're able to do something with your voice and how much is, is it? a conscious decision to do this or that with your vocal cords? That is a great question. Um, I, you know, it is, it, it mimicry is part, you know, it's vocal obviously, but it's really a big part of it is, is hearing and the ear and you're just catching things, uh, you know, that are going in there and your, your brain kind of processes it. And then it's the translation of what you're hearing into the structure that you have to create that I, I, I don't know. I do think that on some level that is just, it, it, I, I do think you're kind of born with that mm. on some, because here's what I'll say. A lot of people uh, who are um, musicians. Okay. And then a lot of comedians who do impressions, comedians who do impressions can, can play instruments and they're good with music. They have timing and rhythm. Uh, Dana Carvey mm. is a great drum, a great drummer. And then there'll be singers. I can't think off the top of my head right now. I know there are some singers who do great impressions. Well, Ariana Grande, actually, mm. she was on SNL. I didn't know. Uh, she was incredible. She did impressions of other singers. So there's something about the, you know, hearing it and then being able to take that and, and, and change it into, you know, kind of, um, a, 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 an exported product, if you will. And, um, that's kind of it. So, when you're thinking about doing a certain impression, okay, are you looking for a voice that is similar to ones you've done before or your own? Or are you able to just look at a voice and go, I want to try that? Or he has a handle that you can get, you latch on to. And how long does it take you from making the decision to being successful with the impression? Pardon me while I do an impression of an old guy who has to clean <laughs> Well, I tell you, back in my day, back in the late 70s and early 80s, um, so, okay, I'll give you an example. So I uh, do this, um, this podcast um, with, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a 
guest on a podcast um, uh, called The Cheap Seats, uh, A View from the Cheap Seats, um, with these comedians called the Sklars. They're twins and they're stand-up comedians. So I've been working with them for like a decade. It's just, you know, I know Randy uh, happens to live in my neighborhood. I've known him for many years. Uh, ironically, he moved into the apartment that my wife, when she lived in New York, lived in. So there's this kind of connective connectivity. Um, and, you know, long time ago, uh, right as they were starting the podcast, I was just, we were hanging out and I, I started doing my Sam Elliott. And I just said, hey, Randy, how you doing? How's it hanging? You know, whatever. And he was like, what? And at that time, <laughs> nobody did a Sam Elliott. Like I had never seen anybody do a Sam Elliott. I just, I was a huge Sam Elliott fan. He had handles. In case him, his handles is, a, it's a nasal quality back in the back of your nose, the cavity. You just kind of push everything up there. You don't open your mouth that much because you don't need to. You got all this power in your voice, you know, only you can prevent forest fires. So, so, uh, <laughs> he was that guy he was the voice of the so so when i did that show um there was a it, it, they did it was a sports related it's a sports related show so um i said you know i think i could do tiger woods i just kind of had this weird feeling because i had because i'd watched tiger i was you know kind of a golf fan and i'd watched him and i, I never saw anybody do that but i just noticed that uh, one of the things that he does is that uh his handles he kind of keeps his mouth open and um does a lot of and um and uh you know talks about one in the masters and uh, other tournaments and and so what i did was okay i didn't start i didn't have it at the beginning but i could hear i was like i can i can grab that but that's going to be tough and and i told randy i said this will be fun i've never done this i said for the next week while i work on this i'm going to call you every day we'll talk for like five minutes that'll be it whatever and i'm going to give you i want you to be able to see my process and it was crazy. And he did. He saw the building blocks. And like on the third day, he's like, it's getting closer. I go, yeah, right. By five days, man, I called him up the 50. He's like, bing, 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 bing. he's like, you got it. <laughs> and so, you know, that's kind of if you, you can, if you have one that you want to figure out, you can focus on it and just work it and work it and work it. And you'll have, you'll listen to it in my car and I'll be like, you know, okay, okay. That's what they do there. Oh, that's a good word to, to cue off of that certain word, you know. That ant, you know, uh, that that was it for me. What Tiger was, uh, was uh, he just says a lot of uh, and uh, that kind of you know kept the uh, the rhythm of it, you know. And he talks about Brooks Kepka. <laughs> That's offer. Um, it, I, I used to mention Jim Furyk a lot. That was a while back when Jim Furyk was bigger. Um, but yeah, that's so. That was an example of how I, I I didn't have a voice, but I worked on it rather than it sort of coming naturally. I really had to kind of just chug along. Now, now you did the voice for George W. Bush on American Dad. That is that correct? Um, uh, I think I did it on. I think I did it on Family. I did it on Family Guy. I may have done it. You know, here's the here's the problem. <laughs> I've done for many years. I've worked on. I've worked on both shows. More more on Family. I did Obama for American Dad for sure. Um, and that's a funny story. How I got Obama. <laughs> that was another funny one. I knew when Obama was was gaining steam, and I was like. I was glad because I knew I couldn't do Hillary. <laughs> so, I was like, I'm going to be out of work if Hillary gets in there. And one of my things I pride myself is on is I've, I have made money. I have gotten hired to do every president in some capacity, every president starting with 
JFK except LBJ. Everyone. And I love that. Like, I love that that's this weird little, you know, niche that I have as I've got that. So with Obama, again, not exactly natural for me. It didn't come to me right away. Uh, you, you know, but, uh, you, uh, you know, I realized he had kind of this, um, uh, what I would call is almost a, it was bordering on a, on, on a stammer, you know. Uh, he just, but he was careful with his words and he took time. So I worked on that, worked on that. And one day during a family guy session, Seth was directing me, McFarland, also a Rhode Islander. And I, um, and I said, I just said, so you got an Obama yet? You know, has, has anybody doing Obama? And I had enough of a relationship. You know, I, I didn't mess around. One of the things with Seth was, you know, I just went in there. I wanted to do a, a great job and get out of his hair. He had a lot going on. He didn't need <laughs> me yucking it up. We'd have a few fun exchanges, but I was just like, okay. Cause you know, there'd be like a cavalcade of people waiting, you know, in the waiting room, people you would just see like, oh, there's Adam West. Oh, hi Adam. You know, crazy. <laughs> oh, there's Frank Sinatra Jr. You know? So I did, she said, no, we don't have an Obama. Do you, cause it was, I mean, it literally was probably right after he was elected. And he said, do you do one? And I just was like, yeah. And I did it. And he was like, all right. And then the next thing I know, I was, you know, uh, star, one of the main guest stars on an episode of uh, American American Dad. Incident in Owl Creek, I think is what it's called. <laughs> That's cool. But yeah, I did play George Bush. I played George Bush also in, on Family Guy. And a funny story about that is that, you know, I was actually Rush Limbaugh and, and I were you know acting and you know i never got to meet him or whatever but uh you know he was making uh, he, he was able i guess to make fun of himself seth, seth told me when he came in he's a good-natured good sport and um you know it was uh that was a fun one to do because i got to you know got to play with uh, uncle rush <laughs> <laughs> Now, is it easier to do an impression for voice acting or create a voice such as with characters like Hawkeye? You know, I, I sometimes you use an impression to to you'll you'll sort of a lot of characters, you know, not always, but you'll have some element of of an actor or, you know, something you're 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 weaning off of, of another character or impersonation. And sometimes, no, sometimes it's just your voice. I mean, listen. One of the misnomers about voice acting is people just think, hey, I can do voices, so I should be a voice actor. Mm. And, and, you know, hey, go for it. That's cool. Uh, you know, everybody who is a voice actor can do voices. But the other important thing they can do is they can act. Mm. And, it, and it's much more about the acting. The facility for doing voices is great. It's been a, a big help for me. But if I couldn't act... I wouldn't have gotten any of the parts. So Hawkeye is a great example. I went on Hawkeye. Um, I went in for Iron Man. And I went in with a Robert Downey Jr.-esque, you know, sort of like, you know, hey, Cap, what's going on? You know, it was sort of Robert Downey Jr. thing. Just, yeah, really trying to figure this out. But uh, anyway, Pepper, that's all right. Okay. Jarvis, you know, that kind of thing. And I and I thought, you know, I, I should be, I you know, so I, I'll be in the mix. I thought I had a pretty decent take. And that's what they wanted was, they did want um, somebody vocally close on that character. Mm. And so I did that. And the casting people, um, they, they, they sort of, paw I looked into the, through the glass, you know, 
and they were kind of talking, you know, and you can't hear them. Like, and I was like, hmm, that's interesting. And then they push on the button, they go up. How would you feel about uh, reading for Hawkeye? I'm, you know, no. <laughs> <laughs> what are you, crazy? So I said, of course. And I had not had, really, I didn't have any pre pre preparation for it, you know. So they just, they brought the sides in. Gave me, you know, a minute just to look at them so that I could absorb it. And as soon as I read it, I knew what they were getting at. I knew why they wanted me to read for it. Because even mm. in uh, Iron Man, Iron Man and Hawkeye have some, oops, my computer just went on. Um, Iron Man and Hawkeye have some crossover. Um, they, they both are sort of, you know, smart alecks. And so they were keying off of that but I think they thought there was something else in me that would fit more with Hawkeye. So I did it. I did the audition. And I think what really got me the part was, you know, did the lines, the lines, and then it was tick, tick, boom. I mean, the way that I delivered it, I, I could just tell they were, and I, you know, you don't often have that feeling where you're like, oh man, I nailed, I got it. I got it. You say like, you could think, oh, I nailed and I did well. Usually, if you if you think you did really well, that's the kiss of death. You, you don't get you don't, uh, it's always when you think, oh, man, I really screwed that up. I, I, and then you'll get that. But this one, I just knew the, their energy and 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 that character. I mean, I immediately, man, that character and I were just like fused and I felt it. And then we started doing the series and um, and I just fell into it even more. It was, it was fantastic. It was an amazing experience. Uh, Adventures Earth's Mightiest Heroes. I'm gonna say it's one of my favorite uh, cartoon series that I've ever been made. I mean, obviously, um, for Batman animated series, it's definitely my favorite. But Avengers: Earth Mighty Heroes is such a wonderful done series. It, it uh, captures the characters so well. Um, I, I mean, I wish it had more seasons than it than it, than I, it got. You and me both, man. I gotta tell you, you know, and I was always a, um, I, I was always a, I, I wasn't a comic book uh, person, but I was a superhero kid from the beginning so it was the stuff on tv and movies i mean super i mean superman with christopher Reeve. that was it i mean that was the, it and even obscure things like there was a spider-man series on cbs when i was very young mm. i mean I'd have, I'd have to like look it up um but it was a tv you know he was climbing on like um the world trade center i think and um and i was riveted you know so i always loved superhero uh movies and tv shows but when I did this and I got a little more, you know, I, I did some background reading and, and on the comics and, and I thought, man, they are really sticking to the real seed of what this this is. And the writing was so good. I'm also a writer. And as a, as a writer, every script I was like, are you kidding? This is they're tight. That's what you say when something is just like not a word wasted. Everything pushed the pushed the story forward. There was emotion. There was humor. Um, Chris Yost, uh, you know, at one point uh, uh, who went on to, you know, do Thor and he was one of the writer producers and he took me aside and he's like, hey, you know, we're really, you know, we're really loving this, th what you're bringing with this character. And, you know, we feel like we're finding because we're we're now when we're writing your character within the scripts, we have your voice your version of Hawkeye, we we know it now. And I was like, yeah, no, I can tell. The script's kind of, it, it, you know, they just massaged it into this beautiful, like, combo of me and Hawkeye. 
you know, so it was, uh, it was wonderful. I agree with you. It, it was, it was just so well done. And uh, yeah. we all wish they, that it had gone on. <laughs> I mean, especially with Hawkeye, I think more than the movies, they captured the character better in the series than the movies have ever done it. And that is a hell of a thing, consider how successful those are. <laughs> no, I, I I, mean, thank you. Thank you. I mean, thank you for them and thank you for me, because I, you know, I had something to do with it, but uh, I won't take all the credit. It was it was a team effort. But uh, I, I, you know, I, I, I think it's probably on, on behalf of all of the Hawkeyes, I will just refrain. From uh, <laughs> from weighing in too heavily, but what I will say is again, what they did with all of the characters in that series is just to be commended. And I and I think, you know, I still get fan mail um, for that show. I get fan mail for various things, but that show had an impact on people who are now coming of age. You know, they were young kids because it was gosh, it started thirteen years ago or something. So now, you know, they're graduating from college or whatever, and they'll send me these letters and they have such affection for the show and for my character. And uh, and it's really um, it's disarming and it's <laughs> touching. I love it. You know, and my daughters, they are so into it because they like to read the letters. <laughs> like I got one the other day and it was clearly from like a young kid, you know. Yeah. And my daughter's like, oh, he's got to be like, hey, look, his handwriting. You know, she's like, dad, you got to sign it and get it out now. You know, I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> well, 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 I will say I was 30 when it came out and I still loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I, hey, man, I believe me, I get it, man. It was not, it was, that was the other great thing about it. It was not, um, it was not childish. It didn't talk down to young hmm. kids and it was, elevated enough that you know um that older people could watch it i mean i you know when i would watch them I, you know there's this part of you that you're watching it and going okay I did, I did okay there and whatever but you would just get i would get sucked in to the stories and 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 the acting i mean just tremendous tremendous acting all across the board i mean you know um rick wasserman uh, 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 Brian Bloom, uh, uh, God, uh, Colleen O'Shaughnessy. I mean, you know, it, it was it, it was just an, an incredible uh, uh, cast. Uh, Brent Hattersher, obviously, as as Hulk. You know, that was something to see. You know, being in a room where he was, you know, I had never seen anything like that. It was, <laughs> and he and I, our characters had such a fun relationship. And Fred and I we were friends, you know, and and so we were able to play off each other and such. So they, and they would write to that. They would have these Hawkeye Hulk little vignettes where we would have our, you know, square off and wisecrack with each other. It was funny. Well, like I said, uh, Rick Wasserman is a friend of the show. He was on it. Um, I think a month, uh, two months ago, a month and a half ago. And he, that guy, he's awesome too. And he, and I remember him talking as well about how great it was to have everyone in the same room able to perform and watching each other do their thing. It was Honestly, it was vital to the lifeblood of that show. I mean, it really makes, in my opinion, it makes a difference. Now, a show like Family Guy, what's well, what's funny about Family Guy is because Seth does like, you know, he does like so many of the voices. In a weird way, he's a self-ensemble. So he is in a room. <laughs> he's in a room with all with himself. Um, but um and that and that shows just a different 
beast. I mean, it works fantastic. You don't need, and you know, like the Simpsons. So I'm not saying that you, it can't be done. It, of course it can be done, but there's something about it, especially when you're playing a group, a superhero group, when you're in that room, I mean, you know, Brian Bloom, when he would do, you know, Captain America, you know, he would do that voice, that baritone sort of, you know, commanding voice. I mean, you, you, you wanted to, you wanted to step up for Cap, you know, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and when Fred and when Fred is just shredding, well, for me, it would be shredding for Fred. I just think it's it's fretting uh, his his chords to do Hulk. You're like, well, if he's going that hard, I, you know, he's putting all let's let's all put our all in. Don't you know, don't slack. And then and I got to say just the last thing about Rick. I. I think I can say this because it's not about me from for my money. And, and I love Chris Nemsworth, but man, Rick's Thor was just like, are you kidding me? Like yeah. that was Thor. I mean, I was like, I'm standing next to Thor, you know, and he's and he's about my height, maybe a little shorter. <laughs> but, his, <laughs> but his voice, that barrel chested, you know, bravado and just and, and they had he had this Shakespearean because he was a, a theater actor, you know, where he comes from that. And so he, he brought such a like gravitas and yeah he was incredible yeah like i said i'm a big a big fan of his thor um i, I don't like like christopher hensworth you got the sense when you heard the thor of, of, of rick's thor that he was a thousand year old alien prince of thunder which you know you know hensworth is great yes. but he still seems like just like a, a, a you know a tough guy playing thor but rick felt like you could hear the age and experience and royalty of thor there was that you're right. There was not a contemporary, not a scintilla uh, on some level of contemporary vibe going on now. And that's what always makes it funny, too, is that when there is a introduction of something contemporary, which there which there would be at times, you know, to see his reaction to that sort of thing makes it even better because you really believe this yeah. guy just came from another dimension, another time. You know, he's he's just not uh, of our era and so that really helped yeah i agree now as you said uh rick had had the shakespearean background for you for um from an acting standpoint where did your background in acting come from so you know in high school um i did well even in elementary i you know i did like the talent show you know um when i was very very young i was a huge fan of um the the robin williams uh popeye movie i i, I think i'm one of only a few it didn't do very well but I found it charming and oddly hypnotizing. Uh, and, uh, and so I pantomimed to the song and for the talent show. And that was my first, you know, showbiz experience. And I got the bug, did some plays moving through elementary, junior high. When I came out here, I did the Groundlings. Um, I went through the Groundlings uh, program and, um, and that was really fun and, and really just kind of opened me up to, um, you know, the possibilities of, 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 of performing on a, on a, on a higher level, you know, cause you're even in the classes, once you start getting up, ratcheting up to the higher levels, you know, you've got some real talent there and, um, and it forces you to step up your game. And so that's where, you know, some of that came from. Um, yeah. Now go back a bit to um, the, the Avengers. As, as you mentioned, the great chemistry you had with uh, Fred, who played the Hulk, the, in the Hawkeye um, Hulk, and they kind of they really started playing up after that first introduction with each other. Why mm -hmm. do you think those characters work so well to get well together? And do you think the plan was always to have them be this great pairing, or did that just come out of how well you guys did 
playing off each other? I think it was a combination of things, but I think, you know, one of the things that I identified with, with Hawkeye is that, you know, he was an outsider. He was an outsider. I think everyone can identify with that to some degree. I mean, I, you know, we all feel like, uh, but I really got it. And he was an outsider from the Midwest, which is where I'm originally from. And, um, and so, and then, and he's coming into here and I think I had the, uh, the way that I came at it was, and the writing kind of played to this was that he was sort of like, you know, well, he did, he would say like, you know, I just saved the world for your, for your butts. You're welcome. You know, that kind of thing. He wanted to prove himself. There was insecurity underneath of it, underneath it. I always wanted that to be there, but then I also, you know, I felt that he was being sort of the, almost one of the most mortal of them all, you know, with only his, his arrow and his bows that he had to have, um, a grit and a determination and, um, and kind of like an endurance, like, um, you know, I was a long distance runner. So I probably had some sense of that too. And so that was him, right? The Hulk, you know, Hulk is, is alienated. Um, you know, again, I watched the incredible Hulk every week with Bill Bixby. I was like, I mean, just glued to it, probably saw every episode two or three times when they replay it. Um, and, uh, and he, you know, at the end of every episode, right? It's the backpack. You know? And uh, so there was a loner aspect to him. And so I think for me, you know, Hulk, there's, you know, Banner's still in there. Um, you know, obviously overtaken by his physicality and, and the, the, the mental changes as well. But he's still in there. And I felt like Hulk and Hawkeye kind of saw something in each other that was a kindred kinship, hmm. kindred spirit. They both kind of had this, they were both alienated um, in some ways, maybe a bit misanthropic. I don't know. Um, but they also, I think Hulk really in our series, I think he, there's a moment when I sort of say, you know, bottom line, you're going down, you know, <laughs> and I'm saying it to this, you know, gigantic, whatever, 15 foot tall, <laughs> you know, massive character. And he just goes, <laughs> you know he laughs at me but i never felt that that laugh was was like um was was, was sort of a caustic you know like yeah. you i felt like he was i thought he was like you know actually kind of uh humored by it and uh and tickled by it and uh and kind of was like who's this guy you know yeah. what is what's that about I always felt that from that exchange. And that's what we built off of was this sort of mutual admiration. You know, um, that's kind of what I think happened there. Was that too much? I don't know. Did I put no, too much? No, I, I thought that was, I mean, it, it was such a good um, characterization. And, and I, I think they, they were one of the best aspects of the show. It was those interactions. And there, I mean, a lot of them had to do, or, you know, had around the, the Thor and Hawk and, um, and relationship was really cool, but Hawkeye and Hawk, it was something kind of special about it and when they played it up you thought to yourself this really does work well you have in many ways the weakest avenger and the strongest avenger and how yeah. they buddied up like that was well, it really was so cool <laughs> that's a brilliant assessment that's really you're so smart <laughs> you. be dumb you smarter uh that's actually <laughs> very that's that's actually very astute yeah you know hawkeye like yeah he was sort of the least powerful in the traditional sense i mean he obviously had 
acrobatics and all of that stuff, which I loved. I loved all the things they did with that character in that series mm. that really made him. And the movies, you know, I don't think it, 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 you know, they had so much going on. The movies had so many people to answer to, so many characters to service, you know, um, and, and Jeremy Renner was incredible. Um, but it's like in this, in the animated version, they were able to use animation to kind of heighten his abilities in terms mm. of the acrobatics and the physicality, you know, and it just really made you go, okay, yeah, I buy it. I buy that this guy's part of that team and that they need him and that there are times when only he can do things that with all of their powers and everything else, you, you know, he has a caginess and a street, a street wisdom that kind of was uh, made him, you know, useful. And so, yeah. I think what was it? Were they fighting? I think the Kree, and he and the only way like to save like the universe, like him firing and um the weapons like into like this super portal. And so I was like, that is some badass stuff for Hawkeye. And you, and you can just figure. I can almost like my head picture uh Jeremy Renner watching, going, motherfucker. I wish I had the opportunity <laughs> to do something like that. that. Was- <laughs> um, I remember. I don't. I don't recall. What 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 episode this was? Um, but I remember we were up in the. Uh, it's a great shot too. We're up in the rafters, Hawk and I, and we're just we're just looking down over the melee, and uh, and so we're not really helping our fellow our fellow adventures. You know, we're we're gonna go and help them, but but we're enjoying them fighting and the scrapping, and we're just both sitting there, um, you know, uh, uh, almost like the two guys. What are their names in the Muppet Show? Um. All, all those uh, film critics. <laughs> I know what you're talking yeah, about. You know, the guys that said the guys that sit up there and they're, you know, Wilford and whatever. I don't remember their names. It's terrible. I don't remember their names. But um, but it was like that. You know, it was like we were up there in the balcony just watching them and having a good old time with ourselves. And that was, uh, you know, that was kind of a, it's like our stand by me moment. You know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I and I think another thing that I kind of wish they developed more. There's a um Hawkeye and Black Widow. I felt like they were. They, uh, they hinted at the history, but they never spent the time and actually got there and, and, and made it happen. Yeah, so, you know, I I wonder if the next season might have brought that if we had had another season. Because I agree, we, we we definitely touched on it. You know, Vanessa Marshall and I, we, we had uh, some of those moments. But yeah, it never really built up to the next level. Were there whispers of a third season that was going to happen? You know... It was really strange. I, what, 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 you know, I, I don't really have, you know, I don't have any in, insider information, but it was right around the time when they were, I mean, we, we came before the movie mm. and, uh, you know, it's my guess just sort of seeing what happened with the next series that came after us yeah. that they were trying to get some uh, alignment with the feature film. Yeah. You know, the feature film was establishing itself. And, you know, I mean, Marvel's brilliant. They know how to line things up, you know. I mean, you know. Um, um, and so uh, I think that, it, you know, I think that they were probably looking at us at that point and going, well, how does this, how does this line up with what we're doing mm. with the movies? Because, the, because what they did was was you know i mean what we did was such a faithful thing to the comic books and i think that what they did with the feature version of avengers was was a sort of um, a different beast i mean it was a great beast i mean look it's an 
incredible series mm. of movies. I mean, they're fantastic, all of them. I love them. Um, but yeah, I think that w- once that started coming into focus, I think we, you know, I think we just fell by the wayside. I, there was never any official kind of like, you know, yeah, you're can't sometimes things just go away and it just kind of went away. And, and uh, you know, it was sad because I did feel mm. I felt like we had at least another season or maybe two to really explore things like you're talking about. And uh, and, you know, and I don't know anything about the fan base, the ratings. I, I, I don't have I'm not privy to any of that, um, you know, so. Yeah, any number of any number of factors could have been part of the decision, but and, and it was, it, was, it really was such a shame because don't blame that shit on me, man. <laughs> don't blame that shit on me. Hawkeye was ready. <laughs> it wasn't you. You didn't take them all down. <laughs> like, oh, like I think I just read earlier. Uh, God, what was I don't know the guy's name from, from Big Bang Theory, uh, from who played Sheldon, who decided to basically shut down the series. So it wasn't you who did like a Sheldon. It was like I'm done with the series, and there's no series without Chalkai. This is going down. <laughs> right? Yeah. No. Yeah. 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 I've had it. Listen, fellow <laughs> fellow friends, Courtney and Lisa Kudrow and Matt LeBlanc. <laughs> so I mean, cause it really was a shame because I really do think that series was better than the one that came after. Um, I, and it did such, and probably I was wondering like, was there a problem that it did these, the movies better than the movies did? Cause like the Ultron episodes and all that stuff, they were better. They did a better job with them. But the one was like, Oh, just kill the damn thing. Oh, God, <laughs> the Ultron. Yeah, the Ultron. Oh man. Oh God. Who played, who played, who played Ultron? Oh, see, it's been too long. I can't remember who played Ultron. I can, it's like, I can almost remember. I'm so close to remember. Sorry if you're out there watching Ultron, actor who played Ultron. Um, uh, yeah, I can't remember. I, I do remember we had uh, Lance. I loved our guest stars. We had great guest stars. Uh, Lance Henriksen of uh, Aliens fame. He was, you know, Bishop, you know. Yeah. Oh, the irony of this is I just remembered I was, um, Seth McFarlane was kind enough to give me a little cameo in, the the movie ted and if you've seen it there's a scene where they do the bishop it's the the ted Ted, the bear does the knife stabbing on a on a on a guy and i'm like that guy's friend and we're talking and i and i convince him because he's like i don't think i should do that i'm like oh man it's all good you know then he stabs him in the hand um little aside little yeah so next time you watch ted just for about five seconds you'll see me one line um uh but that was awesome because you know they had uh flash uh, was there, you know, he was uh, actually in the movie, the guy that played the original, um, uh, or, or Flash Gordon. Um, so, uh, anyway, um, going back to, uh, Lance Hendrickson, he was awesome. I mean, he was, he would do his lines and after his lines, he would, he would, he would laugh. And it was such a genuine thing, you know, sometimes actors that are more from tv or film they don't necessarily have the i mean they have the chops but the, it's just a different experience and so he seemed to be for whatever reason uh, you know he was very tickled i've used that word twice sorry he was <laughs> he was uh he was very pleased about these things he wasn't being like oh i did a great job he just would laugh so he'd be like <laughs> you know they would call cut and he would just laugh and uh and i just i i was like so charmed by it because, uh, you know, this is a guy that played a character that was legendary mm. in my childhood. And suddenly he was also in uh, Close Encounters. He was 
the guy that puts the glasses on and looks up at the end when the you know the alien ship door opens up and they're all looking up there he was the famous shot of him and he was also in the right stuff which was a mm. great movie so so it's fun when you get to meet people that you've looked up to and then they and then they're they're nice and fun he was really nice also drove the world's biggest truck i remember after the set going out back i was like i was like hey Lan hey lance he was like sitting <laughs> up in the air like it, it, it just was fantastic and i and i think i was one of those people who do wish it i mean i, I must admit, but I, i'm also the, the nerd who has the openings theme on my itunes oh my god because i i come from a background of writing and also editing when i first came to la i was um uh, i said you know a lot of people were a actor waiters i was an actor editor i i had the skill from college i knew how to do it and i knew how to work in avid which was the industry standard editing machine editing machine and so i really appreciate things you know the way music and all that. so they they brought us the first edit of the opening you know, and we had already like we had already recorded, I think, a few episodes, whatever it was, and they had still been working. So they showed us, and I remember seeing that opening with the music, and I was like, yeah. "Oh man, that's hot. <laughs> <laughs> that's good stuff. I mean, really, really fun." It, it was. I mean, the part that drove me crazy is that for years they didn't have it on iTunes at all, so you couldn't find the song. I think it was only like eight months ago that I was, I was like. I want to find the song again, goddamn it! And I found it. I was like, "Holy shit!" And it's honest to god, it's on my iTunes, and it, I've I, I can remember the last time I played it. It wasn't that long ago. <laughs> it was like probably that, a week ago. Well, I, in my car. I had to, you know, when I was putting together this, this was some years ago. I was putting together a reel. I was, you know, for my different, um, my different things, um, which you can see if you go to Chris Cox Vox on YouTube. I think is on there. Um, my Chris Cox animation reel. Um, the uh you know i was lucky that i had recorded those episodes because they were not available you're right so i i had them and so i was able to you know take various scenes that i that i thought would be fun and i you know would put them on my reel but it was now, fun going back right <laughs> now now i mean are you, are you doing the convention circuits have you had like fan reactions from the series still people coming to you you know i haven't done the convention circuit i've, I've talked about it um you know, friends and I have talked about it. I haven't really committed to that. I, you know, I don't know. I, I sort of, I'm, I don't know. I, you know, I, maybe I'm a shy Midwestern guy. I'm like, I don't, people really, I, people really want to, I get the fan mail. So I know there are some, but I just, I don't want to be the guy at the table that's looking around going, Hey, anybody want to Hawkeye, <laughs> get your Hawkeye over here. Then Hawkeye, I got one Hawkeye. Well, all I'm saying for anyone who's listening, they're making X Men '97 right now for Disney, so I think it's time for Avengers: Earth Mightiest Heroes 2013. <laughs> I think it's time for that, so they better get to work. Yes, <laughs> nice. nice. I love it.